we had a uh, birthday for my daughter a little bit over a year ago. Megan was turning 12 at the time. She's now 13. That'd be important for me to say to you. She's now 13. She's excited about that. But she was 12 at the time. And we were trying to figure out what we were going to get her for her birthday. My wife and I were thinking back and forth of what we were going to do. We were pretty sure we were going to probably try to get her a bike since she had shot up like a foot and completely didn't fit the bike she had. And we figured maybe we should do that. So we were looking around and on the way to the shop where we were going to go look at bikes, we were actually dressed for the wedding and we were just going to stop in real quickly. There was a uh, Verizon wireless shop next door. And she had pleaded for that phone back and forth. And we told her, no way, not until you're a teenager and, and all that stuff. And I said, you know what? We should at least go in and check just so we see. I think my answer is absolutely no. I really don't want to do this, but let's at least check so we can say we checked, you know? So we walk in and I'm doing all the, you know how you ask questions where you really want the answer to be, this is impossible. You know what I mean? So I walked in and I'm like, you know, I'm sure there's not a real way we can do this where it's cheap, but we're looking to try to add my daughter to the, to the uh, family plan. What do you think? Is that... Well, actually, we have this special deal where this phone, the chocolate, are you aware of it? Yeah, that's the one my wife and I have. It's free now. Oh, come on. You know? <laughs> and if we add this in right now, and they just keep going through the deals and the features, and the, by the time we walked out of there, it literally was, so we could either go and pay whatever for a bike or take a phone and a plan for basically free and walk out and have added her for like five bucks a month. So I looked at my wife and I said, you know, I don't want to do this. And she said, I know, but... Can you imagine what she would respond like? She thinks she's probably getting something like clothes or a bike. She would flip out. I said, well, I don't know, hon. We're going to have to talk to her about how to use the phone, and we're going to have to talk about... All right, fine. Let's just do it. So we ended up taking this chocolate home, and, you know, it's you can put MP3 songs on it and all that kind of stuff. It was a hot phone at the time. Now maybe it's lame. I have no idea. But, <laughs> but we got this phone for her. And we wrapped it up. And when she goes to open it, she opens the thing up. And it's one of those moments, you know, as you're opening where you're pretty much set that it's something other. And so as she opens it and she's looking, she's like, I don't get it. There's a picture of a phone on it. Why would you do that to me? You know, that kind of a thought. You know what I mean? And, and we're looking at her. We're wait, And the video camera's on. And we're waiting. And, and, and we're waiting. And, and she finally goes, are you serious? You know, one of those. And we're like, open it up. She flips it open. The phone's already charged, ready to go. She, she turns it on. She's already texting like 30 words a minute. How do you kids do that? I'm like typing, where's that other one at? You know, I'm getting a word a minute out of there and she's already up there. She's flying through the texting. She's calling. She calls me. I'm a foot away from her. I got it, hon. You know, we're good. You know, one of those. You know what I'm saying? When you get a gift you love. You just go bonkers. I'm telling you, when she was screaming, the dogs were howling. You know what I mean? One of those high-pitched, unbelievable, totally engaged, I'm never putting this down unless I drop it. I'm never putting this down type of thing. When we get a gift we love, when we love the giver, it shows. Question, how can we show God that we love what he's doing in our lives? How can we show God that we are amazed with what he's doing for me and for you. And more than that, with the spiritual gifts that he's giving us, how can we use those to say, I'm in awe? Can you imagine if she opened the box and she just took it up and put it on her desk and said, thanks, it's great, and went back downstairs and turned on the TV? 
that would have not sent the right message. How can we send the right message of thank you, Lord? We are amazed with what you're doing. I am amazed with the gift you're giving. And I want to say thank you with all I've got. That's what we're looking at today. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. You know, the ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. We'd love to get one to you. We're going to be walking through this passage. So just raise your hand. We'll get a Bible to you. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. We're simply answering the question, how can I celebrate the giver and the gifts that he's given me? First point, worship. Offer myself as a living sacrifice to God. Worship. Offer myself as a living sacrifice to God. We get that right out of the first two verses. Paul is writing here to the church at Rome, and he starts out, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren. I appeal to you. I plead with you, is what it means. I want this for you. I, I'm telling you, please hear this. This is important for you to know. That's kind of what he's saying. Okay, he doesn't say, hey, something for you to think about. I appeal to you, brethren. And then he says the word, right? I appeal to you, therefore, brethren. So when we see the word, therefore, we say, what's the therefore? Okay, we always have to ask that question, right? Why is he tying this together? What's the therefore, therefore? I appeal to you, therefore, brethren. Well, it's tied to the thing before it. Well, what's going on right before it? Romans chapter 11, right at the end there, Paul has just gotten done with this exploration of the greatness of the sovereignty of God, of his involvement with the nation of Israel. And he ends with this statement about God involved in all of the world. He says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways for who is known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Therefore you hear it. It's like the God of the universe, the one who is unbelievable, unmatched, blows us away. That God who has reached into our lives, who has given us wisdom and knowledge that we could never imagine because it's from the one who has it all. The one who has the depth of the riches that we could never, ever get to the whole of. That God giving into our lives from him and to him and through him are all things. Therefore, Paul's challenge. Go back to chapter 12 now. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that which he is lavishing on us, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. To present your bodies, to take yourself and say, use me, Lord. Not unlike Isaiah in chapter 6, when he meets the Almighty, the Holy of Holies, And he ends up dropping to his knees and he just says, woe is me for I am undone. And then right after that, he says the Hebrew word, hineni, behold, here am I. I just use me. I I don't know. Wherever you want me, Lord, you are amazing. Use me. 
offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Notice he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's a big deal, okay? Because sacrifice, Old Testament sacrifice, law-based sacrifice, it was about death. It was about shed blood. And that blood was to cover a payment that was owed. If you did wrong before the eyes of God, blood needed to be shed. And so there was this sacrifice of a dead animal, right? And that sacrifice was to cover sin. But now we have the opportunity to be living sacrifices. Why? Because the debt's already paid. Because this isn't about covering. This isn't about justification. This isn't about how can I get right with you, God? This is, I'm already there because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I'm trusting in you with all that I have. I'm leaning on you with all that I've got. I've given you the whole of my heart. I am saved. Now I'm handing you me as a living sacrifice. I am alive to serve you, the King, the Almighty, the Holy of Holies, the one who can never be totally understood because he's so vast and great. Living sacrifice, that's what we get to offer ourselves as. It's a privilege. It's an honor to know him deeply and personally and passionately and to be able to be used for his kingdom and his purpose and his means to be a living sacrifice. Now, for a sacrifice, let's just note, not really about my desires and my wants, my comfort and my comfort and my comfort and my comfort, right? We kind of get stuck on that C word, don't we? That's not really very comfortable, though. It's about him and his glory and his glory and his glory. How can we show him off? How can we lift him up? How can we praise his name? How can we make sure that in my life and in my ways and in my thinking and my doing that the God of this universe has been lifted up before this world? We can be a living sacrifice for him. You know, he says right after that, not just as a living sacrifice, he says, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. Holy and acceptable. How is that possible? We're, we're still making mistakes. We're still sinning all over the place. What is he talking about? He's talking about this. My child, my son, my daughter, when I look at you, price is paid. When I look upon you, I want you to know this. We're good. Because what's been done through the cross with Christ, what's been done through his blood has covered it all. You are my child. Come, sit on my lap. Come, let's have a relationship together. You are holy in my eyes. You are acceptable in my eyes. I love you with all I have and I want to lavish it upon you. It is about what's been done on the cross that makes us be holy and acceptable as we stand before him. If we haven't trusted in Jesus Christ, if we haven't said, please forgive me for walking away from you, please use your shed blood as a replacement payment. I'm turning and I'm following hard after you. Please change me forevermore. If we haven't gone that direction, then we can't stand before him holy and acceptable. But if we have, then we can. Amen.
if we have, if we've trusted in him, if we've leaned on him, if we are his children, then we can stand before him holy and acceptable. Amen? Now that's a privilege. To be a living sacrifice, to stand before him holy and acceptable, it is your spiritual worship. That's what he said. It's a spiritual worship. That word worship could also be translated spiritual act of service. It's your way of showing worth to him. It's your way of saying he matters. He's important to me. He blows me away. I am amazed with who he is. It's your spiritual worship to be able to offer yourself to him. That's what he's saying. Be blown away by the almighty and then offer yourself back to him in the midst. What a great privilege. He goes a couple steps further. He says in verse two, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay, remember, conformed. We talked about this a couple times before. We even talked about it once in relationship to children. But picture holding a Nerf ball and you crunch it down, right? That's conformed, external pressure. And you let go and it just pops. It goes right back to what it was, right? That's conformity. Don't be conformed by the world. That's what he's saying. Come on, don't waste your time. That external pressure of the junk, don't do it. Don't be moved by that. Be transformed from the inside out. From the renewal of your mind, a heart-changing, life-shaping, God-honoring shift in the way you think, in the way you feel, in your priorities. Be transformed from the inside out by the renewal of your mind. It's a shaping that lasts because it changes us forevermore. Allow yourself to be touched by the Holy Spirit. Allow yourself to be challenged by God Almighty. Allow yourself to step out of zone of comfort, right? We stand there, we draw a circle around us, we're like, comfortable right here, you know, one of those. This is my little zone of comfort. And God says, take a step to the left. So we go, you know what I mean? (laughs) I stepped left. We're still standing in the little circle, right? Further left. Okay. We're still in it, right? Take a big step left. Okay, why did we do that? Because he's asking us to lean on him. He's asking us to trust in him. He's asking us to be in his hands as he molds and he shapes. Trust him more than you trust yourself. That's what he's saying. Trust him more than you trust yourself. Go after God with a passion, with a hunger, with a desire to look different tomorrow than you do today. With a want to be not comfortable, but glorifying with a desire to be his and truly and wholly his. That's what Paul's saying. Go after him. Get it. You'll be amazed what it feels like. I appeal to you. Do this. And then he says at the end, that by the testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. By stepping out into his hands, by launching yourself into his control, by letting go and saying, God, it's about you. You begin to learn who he is. You begin to explore those depths, those depths that are talked about in Romans 11. You begin to learn a little bit about him, see a little bit about him. You find more of his character. You find more of his hope. You find more of his love. You find more of who he is and you are blown away. Go get it. I want that for you guys.
That's what he's saying. I'm saying that to you today as well. I want that for you. I want that for us, for me. Let's go after him with all we've got. Let's know him like we've never known him before. Let's test through putting ourselves into his hands and discern the very will of God, the very ways of God, what is good and acceptable and holy. Wow, that sounds like a nice opportunity. Or we could set it on the desk, right? Let's pick it up. Let's hold it. Let's scream about it. Let's use it. Let's be all about it. We have the opportunity to know the one who can change us forevermore. And we can celebrate and glorify him in the midst. You know, there was a boy. He was named David. He was 12 years old. He had an immune deficiency. He actually, if he got around anything, anywhere, 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 he would get sick. So they ended up creating this little plastic arena that he could live in, the boy in the plastic bubble. He lived in this plastic bubble, and he lived there for a great number of years. Uh, And as he lived and thrived and survived inside, he was deprived at the same time. There was a reporter that was talking to him and said, you know, there, there seems to be a bettering that's going on. You seem to be improving. If you ever are able to get out, what's the first thing you want to do? And he thought for a moment and he said, hold my mother's hand. That's what I'd want to do. Think about the relationship that's going on. As this mother is giving day and night all the time, And they're separated physically. He was saying, I just want to be close. I just want to hold her hand and be with her. How much more should we want to hold our father's hand? You know, the bubble we were in, it was a bubble of sin. It was keeping us away from him and we were deprived. But that bubble has been burst. It's been shattered. And the the cross was the, the means and the mechanism. And we no longer are in the bubble. You have stepped out. What's the first thing you're going to do? I don't know. Maybe make some money. Maybe I'll get some stuff for me. Maybe I'll try to get a, maybe I'll go after the, maybe I, I, me, I, me. Really? Let's embrace what's really going on. Let's grasp. Let's get the full perspective. Because what we need to be doing as we step out is begin to experience relationship with the Almighty. The one who's been there with us, for us, even before we were with him and for him. The one who freed us forevermore. Reach up. Hold out your hand. Build a relationship. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable in his eyes. You can experience something so rich, so deep and so fulfilling that you would never want to turn back. Just reach up. Just reach up. Worship. That's our first step. Worship him. Our second step is humility. How can we best use these gifts God gives us? Humility. Let's just start right here in verse 3. I'll read the whole point. Humility. Embrace that all are needed. One body with many members. Embrace that all are needed. One body with many members. We'll start in verse 3. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to you, everyone among you, 
by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, in other words, look, God's lavishing on me. And one of the things he's lavished on me is a bit of understanding. And in the midst of this understanding, I have a little challenge for you. God has brought this to me and now I'm bringing it to you. I want you to grasp this from the grace that's come to me. Here's what I bring to you. He says, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. How highly ought I to think of myself? You're right. That's the first question we should ask. Well, should I think of myself very much or not? What should I do? He says, think with sober judgment. When I say the word sober, first thing that comes to your mind is what? Give me one word when I say the word sober. Alcohol. Isn't that weird? It's the first word, right? And it is true for all of us. Why? Because we've tied the two together and alcohol impairs the judgment, right? Sober, it means no impaired judgment. It means fully capable of understanding and perceiving. Think with right eyes and right mind. Have a proper judgment and understanding of this. Where do you stand in the midst of the whole body, in the midst of God Almighty? Think properly. He says a little further here. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, this is a little bit of a tricky phrase. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Some say this means that different people have different levels of faith. And so they'll experience different levels of, for that matter, I guess you'd say importance. I really don't think that's what this phrase means. Because if you notice before it and after it, he's bookended the phrase with this. Don't think too much of yourself. We're all one. So to try to make a distinction right in the middle would be a little weird. I think what he's really doing is he's saying this. Remember this. We've all gotten to the same spot before Christ because of one thing. Our faith. Know this. No matter how great or how small, every single one of us enters the kingdom of Christ for one reason. Our trust in him and our request that he forgive and apply his shed blood to our debt owed. And that's the only reason I'm here. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not about me. It's about my faith in him and him acting in me. It's about him at work. To God be the glory. That's what it's about. So his challenge, know this. We all come before him with one faith. This faith that we can exercise out and live and experience. And he says, this measure of faith that God has assigned. This is the way God wants us to interact with him. This is God's choosing of direction and path. Verse four, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. Now, for those of you who have been around church a lot, you hear that and you went, oh, he's talking about the church. Actually, not yet. He will be in just a second. There he was using a metaphor where he's talking about the body. He's talking about the physical body that we walk around with. And he says, while there is one body, there are many members, you know, hands, elbows, knees, feet, right? Eyes, all these different functions going on in the body. And that is the intent. It's not one big eye. It's not one big hand, right? We shouldn't be looking and saying, how come I'm not like? Otherwise, we end up breaking the metaphor down and saying, we should all be a hand. We should all be a foot. We should all be an eye. We should all be a, there is a body and the body has many parts, many members. And they all have their value and role. Some are in front of the scenes. Some are behind the scenes. 
Some are rallying and challenging and getting into the muck of things. Some are coming alongside the hurting and building up and nurturing. Some are very service oriented and some are very leadership oriented. There are gifts of all sorts and all kinds. And those gifts are given by God. He's saying there are many many members in one body. Then he goes on in verse 5. So we, though many are one body in Christ. There's the reference to the church. The one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Individually members of one another. You, me, the person sitting right next to you, we're all members of a body. How dare we speak ill of the part just next to us? You know what I'm saying? The elbow complaining about the biceps right above him. I can't believe that guy. You know what I mean? That's what he's saying. He's saying respect all that's around you. God's brought them here. And he's brought them for a purpose. And he's gifted them for a purpose. You know, if you look in Ephesians chapter 4, we preached on that back in the uh, late winter time frame. Ephesians 4. He there, when he's speaking about the spiritual gifts being given, he says this. Not that the gift, the ability, isn't what's given. The person is who's given. He gives some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists or pastors and teachers. He gives the person. He gives you. You have been brought to our body to be a part here, a member with purpose and role and function and duty and value and hope and a reflection of who God is. You have a role here in glorifying God. You are as valuable as the one to your left and the one to your right. You have importance, but don't think too highly of yourself, right? Just as quickly as we build someone up, we also have to cap it. You know what I mean? Isn't that true, right? You start talking to people and you tell them how good they are and within two days, they're talking about how great they are. You know what I mean? We always have to be a little bit careful that we bound it healthily as to what's going on. And Paul's saying, please understand this. Super important to the glory of God. Not so very important in and of yourself, though. Right? Are you hearing it? It's not so much just about you and your greatness. It's about him and who works through you. It's about you being the best conduit you can be. It truly is. You know, you talk about the conduit that runs in the walls and the electricity that runs through it. It really is the conduit beginning to brag about the electricity when it's actually not the electricity. It's just what's allowing the electricity to flow through. Really, we have to be very, very careful that we don't get too high on ourselves and what we can do, but we get really high on God and what he can do. Amen? We have to get high on the Almighty and Him working for me and through me and to me. And may I just be a conduit of the greatness of the Almighty. Amen? Are you ready to see God work through you? Are you ready to see God work through you? I need to hear a yes on that one. Are you ready to see God work through you? Bigger and better. Are you ready to see God work through you? It's time to see him work through you in ways you've never imagined, in ways you could have never dreamed. You are essential to this body. You are a member of this body. And he's brought you here with a purpose to glorify him. What's your role? That's my question. As the pastor, I always have to ask, where do I need to help you get plugged in to serve him better? Now, some of you might be in a spot where you're saying, I'm in a hurting moment. It's okay to take moments to heal. 
There will be a season for healing. And then it's time to step out of that healing and begin to start helping and glorifying God. It's okay to take a season to heal. Please hear that with me, okay? It doesn't mean help no matter what, no matter what you're going. There might be a season to stop and get some healing. But then get ready because God does heal. And when he heals, it will be time to step out and celebrate him with all you've got. Amen? It's time to bring him glory. It's time for us as members of one body to celebrate the Almighty. He says here at the end, verse 5, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Many one. Many one. You hearing it? Many one. There is oneness that we must be executing and showing. Why? Because oneness is what God's all about. Because unity is who he is. We, as a body, must reflect oneness. Total unity. Celebrating side by side. Humility. It's a lack of pride. Pride. It's thinking too much of myself and thinking too little of myself. It's thinking of myself. Are you catching it? It really is thinking about other people. Thinking about God and his plan and his role. Humility. Don't put your comfort circle up first and try to figure out how the two coalesce or don't. It's time to just step out, step into his hands and say, it's not thinking about me, Lord. It's thinking about you and those around me. I want to glorify you. There was a man named Alex Haley. He wrote many different things. One of the things, though, that he wrote was the book Roots. He was very well known for this book. Uh, It became a book that was written right after this huge social movement in the United States. And there was a learning about the African-American background and heritage. And there was a learning about the struggles and the pains. And there was a learning about a lot of wrongdoing that went on. And in the midst of that, there was sort of a celebration of family that went on. And there was a reporter that went to him and said, Alex, you basically become one of the greatest authors of this decade. Tell me, what's it feel like? And he stopped, put his hand up, and he pointed to a picture behind him. And he said, that's what I got to say to you. And it was a picture of a turtle sitting on top of a fence post. That's, that was the picture. And the guy looks at him and he goes, I don't get it. And he said, how did that turtle get up there? And he goes, well, somebody put it up there? And he goes, probably. I'm thinking the turtle didn't climb, right? Honestly, we've always got to remember we're the turtle up on top of the fence post. And how did we get there? A great and mighty giver who lifted us up and set us there. Our gifts are nothing but an enablement from the Almighty. Our skills, our talents, our moment of time is just to turn around and say, wow, can you see what he did? I have no idea why I've been given this moment of privilege, but I'm just a turtle who's been lifted up and put on a fence post. Please don't make any bigger deal of it. Let's move on. Humility. That's what it's about. Are we ready to be humble in this body as we serve? Yes, we need to go after a spiritual act of worship with him. Yes, we need to understand that our gifts are great and they're awesome and God has given them and we're going to talk about them in just a second. But we also have to recognize that truly we are the turtle that's being lifted up and set on the fence post. And we've got a moment where we can say, there's a God. Let's point to him. Are you ready to serve him? Are you ready to be humble as you serve him? First, it's worship. Second, it's humility.
And then the third step is involvement. Involvement. Find your giving and use it to the maximum. Find your giving and use it to the maximum. Involvement. Let's just walk through these last couple of verses. Paul starts in verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Here's what he's saying. When the Holy Spirit takes up residence within, when we have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we start a process of relationship with him. And in that moment that we believe, the Holy Spirit taking up residence empowers us with some abilities. They, they will work with your personality. He shapes both the spiritual gifts and your personality to make you an unbelievable package for the church. To glorify him and to build continued unity. And in the midst of your personality and the gifting coming together, he has made you capable of touching lives for God's glory. Not for your glory, but for God's glory. Not for you to get attention, but for God to get the attention. To God be the glory. Having gifts given by the grace given to us. It says, very simply, let us use them. Let me say that again. Let us use them. Does that need a lot of clarification? <laughs> Pretty clear, right? What's the challenge? Hey, God's given you some gifts. God's given you some abilities. Use them. Use them to build his church. Use them to build the local community of Christ. Use them to build that which Jesus Christ says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus Christ is all about building this local community. He is all about building his church, the universal community. And in building, he is saying, I am sending you to a local body with great abilities to glorify me. Use them well. Let us use them. That's the challenge. Be involved. He says right after it, here's a list not an exhaustive list, but a list to begin to try to understand what do you mean by gifts? Like what kinds of things are you talking about, Paul? Glad you asked. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, what's the word prophecy mean? To bring forth truth from God, messages from God. We have this word of God that we can bring forth truth from. We have God Almighty shaping and changing and moving. We have the opportunity to bring forth the very truth of God, learning of him, and growing in it. He says right after that, if service in our serving, what's service? The behind the scenes, helping get things done, getting those tasks accomplished. The one who teaches in his teaching, making clear the truths of God, understanding how one passage fits against another, making sure we understand the whole and how it fits together, helping to make steps where the head and the heart touch together with the will and move forward. Teaching. The one who exhorts and is exhorting. You know, exhorting. That means kind of encouraging, challenging, nudging, helping someone to understand where they need to step. They may not want to hear it, but they need to hear it. So we put the arm around them and we help them move with it. It's the willingness to get alongside and go, come on, you can do it. It's the challenge to say, take that step. Exhorting. It has this, you can do this. You need to do this. Let's go. It speaks to the will. And then he says, to the one who contributes in generosity, giving with material wealth. The Lord has blessed many with giving. Sometimes of their time and their talents and other things where they're just 
always involved and invested. Sometimes it's with the material wealth. Uh, And here he's speaking specifically to material wealth. The one who leads with zeal, getting out in front with passion and energy and saying, here we go. Let's go. Do you know that? Shepherds, leaders, they don't lead from the back. That's rodeo. All right. That's a whip and we get behind and we're driving them. All right. We're not doing a rodeo thing here. Okay. What it's about is leading, shepherding, getting out in front, setting tone and pace, setting direction with passion, energy, and zeal. That's biblical shepherding. That's biblical leading. Here we go. And we set out together. And then the end, it says the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, you know, the mercy hearts, the ones who come alongside those who are hurting, They can see a a tearful eye from a mile away and they get the arm around them as fast as you can blink and they're there to help lift them up. The mercy hearts do it with great cheerfulness, help to bring them through and bring them up. That's not an exhaustive list. It's just the beginning. Paul was saying, here's some things most likely you guys need. He probably knew some things going on and he was listing out some differences going on there. But there are more lists within the scriptures. The challenge is simply this. We need to know our gifts and we need to use them. We need to know our gifts and we need to use them. If we do, we have the greatest privilege in the world. We have the privilege of being able to serve the Almighty, know the Almighty, meet the Almighty, and be changed. And we have the privilege of watching those around us be able to know and meet and be touched by the Almighty. You have been created to love. We have great opportunities for you, even here, to serve in this body. You know, we put together a video here, just a minute and a half, two minute video for you to be able to get a feel for how much value there is to serving the Lord within this body. Let's go ahead. Hi, my name is Dawn. And I'm Greg. We both work at a higher ground, uh, ages uh, first grade through fourth grade. We got involved because um, our children were participating in the higher ground ministry and we wanted to give back what the teachers had given to our children. Uh, my name is Kathy, and I serve in the children's ministry. I am one of the teachers for the four-year-olds. It's amazing what is happening in the children's ministry right now. The kids are learning about Jesus, and that's why we're there. I'm John, and this is my wife, Stacy. And we serve in the fuel ministry with 7th and 8th grade students. And I always know whenever I walk away each evening and think about what we talked about, it's always been a real blessing to me. I know I've always walked away very, very encouraged. My name is Mark, and I serve in the junior high ministry. I went 28 years of my life not knowing him, and uh, I don't want kids to go through that. For me, I'm just amazed by how much they absorb, even at the age of four. It's just amazing. I like the fact the parents read the Bible to them and that they're learning at such a young age because I didn't have that. So I'm very excited to help, uh, you know, somebody five, six, seven years old. It says in the Bible to have faith like a child, and it was hard to imagine what that was like until I actually experienced it, and I see these kids with the most amazing faith. I'm just seeing tremendous things in my life by following Him and serving for Him. I think it's really humbling to see that God is working in their lives and then that I get to come along and be a little bit a part of that. And every week um, I talk to the same girls and to see a young woman you know, tell me that she's come to know Christ and then she brings a friend and then you see your friends start growing and just to know that in a little way that I got to come alongside and kind of even just watch that happen. It's been one of the greatest things that has um, just brought our family closer to God. 
Because the true joy in ministry is giving. The true joy in ministry is the giving. Those weren't, uh, those were not lions we handed to somebody. We just sat down with some different people. Larry's done a great job this week, just sitting down with a few different people that have done some service in this ministry and asked, why are you here? What difference did it make to you? And what difference have you seen it make in the ministry? And these are the answers we got. God at work. You're created to love. There is no, there is no better way to experience him than to make your life a spiritual act of worship. You know what? We're going to have the ushers come forward and we have some cards here. We want to help you get plugged in. I want to help you be in the spot where you can say, I've done everything I can do to become that spiritual act of worship. I want to make myself available. Just take this card and take some time. We're just going to take a little bit. Larry, can I just ask, can we just get a little bit of music going here? Can you tell we're winging this? And uh, we're just going to have... While, while these cards are coming down, take a, take a moment to read this. Let me just read the first one to you. Areas of possible interest for service, wherever you need me. That's the first checkbox, okay? A lot of people that I talk to say this. I have no idea what my spiritual gift is. I don't know where I should be. I'm not sure which way I should go. You know what? A lot of times the best step is just to say, hey, how about if I step out and go wherever you need? And let's learn. Maybe that isn't a best match for me. And in three to six months, we say, could we make an adjustment? That's okay. Let's step out. Let's see what God's got in store. Take just a few moments here to try to figure out where's a spot where I could be serving. Let me give you a challenge. There's a few of you here. You're already serving a lot. That's okay. Don't check a box, okay? It's all right that you're already serving. But a lot of us, we need to just decide, I can step this up a little bit. I want to give more of my time. I want to give more of my gifts to bringing honor to the Almighty. And I want our church to be able to help you do that. Take advantage of checking these boxes, okay? Think about it for a few minutes, pray over it, and then we'll talk at the end here.